Welcome to another edition of Reshaping America. This is your host, Kurt Flewelling. We are going to talk about uh, a lot of things today. Uh, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court had a pretty big decision late last night that I will go over that um, could dramatically affect uh, who we elect as president in 46 days. Um, we will go over some of the polls, um, talk about our friends, the fact checkers, and uh, also where does the Christian come down in all of this. But let me first um, get to the issues of the day. Pennsylvania Supreme Court hands Democrats major victory and extends mail-in ballot deadline to three days after the election. Now, this is no surprise to any of us who live in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Um, for those of you listening, um, various other parts of the country and the world, um, Pennsylvania has a very stacked Supreme Court, um, very heavily, not only Democrat, but um, very left-leaning Democrat um, Supreme Court justices, and they um, certainly love to legislate from the bench, and they do so whenever they get the chance. So this says Pennsylvania was already going to be in the spotlight this election cycle, but moving the deadline from mail-in ballots back from November 3rd to November 6th virtually ensures that the eyes of the entire nation will be on the Keystone State after Election Day, said Mark Nevins, a Democratic consultant who also worked for Hillary Clinton's 2008 campaign. Uh, he says it is not impossible that the Pennsylvania outcome could decide who the next president is, and if the counting process is prolonged, get ready for our state to be overrun with lawyers, surrogates, and rabid partisans on both sides. This is a, a very short article, so I'm going to read all of it in order to give you a, a just a kind of a, a good um, working understanding of what this means in the state of Pennsylvania. Um, the article goes on to say the effects of the pandemic threatened the disenfranchisement of thousands of Pennsylvanians during the 2020 primary when several of the Commonwealth's county election boards struggled to process the flow of mail-in ballot applications for voters who sought to avoid exposure to the virus, wrote Democratic Judge Max Baer for the majority. Now, just to get you up to speed, I know that um, Republicans in the legislature um, proposed a while back to Governor Wolf, well, um, instead of extending this deadline past the election day, why don't we open up and start processing mail-in ballots that are already coming in? And King Wolf, I'm sorry, Governor Wolf, um, said, no, that's not a good idea. I would rather have an overwhelming amount of ballots and chaos and all sorts of craziness right at the time where everybody is anxious and fever pitched to find out what Pennsylvania has, uh, has done on election night. No, I don't think that would be a good idea to open those ballots up and kind of, um, ease that process that Max Baer says is going to be completely, um, crazy. And he's right on that part, but the antidote, if you are on the left is not to do it the way that Republicans would like to do it and start processing some of those ballots now between now and election day, it would be to 
in typical Chicago fashion, find out how many votes you need um, between November 3rd and November 6th and just magically come up with those. That's a little bit more of the style of uh, Democrats in general and, and specifically those in the state of Pennsylvania. It says close to 2 million ballots have already been requested in the state ahead of the election in a related ruling. Now, this this just gets worse and worse and worse. If you are a Republican in the state of Pennsylvania and, and worse yet, if you're a Trump fan, um, Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolf, a Democrat, also welcomed the news. I think it really makes the access to voting better, Wolf said. And so I welcome the decision. Um, this next part is is could be bad news um, for Donald Trump. The court also ruled to remove the Green Party's presidential ticket from the ballot, which could result in some of those voters moving to Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden. Now, I wouldn't move that fast on that one. Uh, that kind of insults a lot of the Green Party voters out there. Um, and if I was a Green Party voter and I was disenfranchised by this ruling, um, I don't know how quickly, uh, because the, the ruling obviously is made to benefit Joe Biden and the Democrat Party. I don't know how quickly I would just throw my hands up in the air and just vote for the Democrat. So I'm sure many of those Green Party um, voters will not summarily vote for the Democrat. So, but it it does tend to help the Democrat. the The last paragraph of the article here says. In 2016, Green candidate um, Jill Stein received close to 50,000 votes in Pennsylvania. President Trump narrowly won the state by about 44,000 votes. So as you are seeing in state after state after state, and we'll go over some polls, um, whatever they mean, um, it is apparent that every vote counts and... Um, either votes coming in fraudulently or Donald Trump's style, which um, some have issue with, but I, I seem to think it's going to work for him of, of hitting rural America very hard and just turning up votes that people heretofore never really thought were out there. A thousand here in this County, 1400 here in that County, 7,000 in that County offsetting the massive Democrat, plurality of votes in the cities and suburbs. Um, it, it's apparent that every single vote counts and um, this election is not going to uh, be won um, easily by either of these candidates. Um, I will read our, our senator here, Senator Toomey, Republican senator, um, obviously not too uh, happy with the decision. Um the article here says to me, Pennsylvania Supreme Court decides laws have no meaning. And the statement he has made is once again, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court has decided that laws have no meaning. The current state election statute, which was signed by Governor Wolf less than a year ago, is clear that mail-in ballots must be received by 8 p.m. on election day in order to be counted. Today's blatantly political decision to violate the law irresponsibly heightens the risk that our state will experience a lengthy, disputed, and controversial outcome in what is expected to be 
an extremely close presidential race. Um, that goes without saying. Uh, a couple of more statements on this. Um, this, this. This statement is from our Senate uh, President Pro Tempore Joe Scarnata and uh, Senate Majority Leader Jake Corman. Um, they have issued a joint statement accusing the court of trampling on the Constitution. And their joint statement uh, is as follows. This ruling is not about ensuring fair elections. It is about allowing one party to steal this election, Scarnata and Corman said. Under the Constitution, the responsibility to determine the times, places, and manner of elections lies solely with the legislative process. Um, and this is an area where people that understand um, federal election law um, and our Constitution understand that these kings and queens in these blue states cannot summarily uh, make decisions that profoundly affect um our election as far as voting and this and that and the other. And, and even though people seem to think and forget that we do have three branches of government, not only um, nationally, but um, in the states as well, people seem to miss the fact that these guys and gals in black robes uh, can be put in check very, um, very quickly if the will to do so is there and and perhaps in Pennsylvania it is there because uh in the state legislature it is it is a republican controlled legislature and um so regardless of what the packed partisan um supreme court has decided and whatever edicts governor wolf has made um particularly many uh during this covid-19 crisis it really does not matter the power to um, deem that this ruling, this sweeping ruling is just unconstitutional as far as the state of Pennsylvania is concerned. This lies clearly in the state legislature. And at the time of this airing of the show, they are mulling around what they are going to do. But the same thing happened in Wisconsin last week, another battleground state. Um, controlled by a Democrat, uh, if state legislators, legislatures want to um, assert their right to keep um, these folks in check, which they certainly have the right to do, then a lot of this nonsense, this sliding scale of, yeah, you can get your vote in, and and um, uh, I didn't even go over it, but, but another ruling um, by the Supreme Court is... Uh, that not only can these uh, mail-in ballots be placed, but they can be thrown in drop boxes. They don't even have to go to a secure place and be signed in, if you will, by a secure individual who's watched by two or three other individuals. They get to be thrown in drop boxes, just like you would throw in a uh, letter to Aunt Sally, um, if anybody does use snail mail. Um, but you can you can do that, which is which is an absolute absurdity. Um, we we do not need to swing a dead cat to hear and see stories of boxes of ballots that were just mysteriously um, 
either uh, forgotten if the it was convenient for them to be forgotten in a garage somewhere or in a warehouse or in a, a building or found in those areas as well if those votes were needed to push a candidate over the top. So um, throwing a mail-in ballot into a um, drop box somewhere and just having some jabroni pick it up and trust that person to just take it to wherever they're supposed to and all the ballots will be either counted or discounted is um, is a heck of a lot of faith to have in a system that um, day by day by day uh, as the days tick off until the election seems to be more corrupt and more corrupt and more corrupt. So um, we move on to just, you know, I, I uh, printed an article um, in response uh, to another article that I read uh, um, that a uh, that a USA Today fact checker says that voter fraud is is overplayed and the and the um, the deceased vote that was made famous some uh, 60 years ago in Chicago um, and lives uh, quite readily in, in a lot of municipalities today um, I, I will get to their their declaration that a uh, that a, a fact checker said that the deceased vote issue controversy whatever you want to call it is is overblown but before i get to that i just wanted to um read just kind of rapid fire down what what has gone on uh to this point in some states um in this article that's is entitled voter fraud exists in california um they were recently forced to admit that it had mistakenly registered 25,000 ineligible voters. The state didn't even realize it was registering non-citizens until a Canadian who is a permanent resident of the United States contacted the LA Times and he said he had been improperly registered under the state's new automatic voter registration system. Here in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, over a 20-year period, Pennsylvania Department of Motor Vehicles officials have allowed thousands of non-citizens to register to vote, and many have actually voted. Uh, we move on. This this is uh, interesting. Talk show host Eric Erickson was um, was speaking to uh, Brian Kemp, uh, the GOP candidate for governor, and. Uh, the current secretary of the state in Georgia is being accused of voter suppression. So he's interviewing Mr. Kemp because of this law, but a pending status does not prevent anyone from voting as long as he or she has a government ID that substantially matches the registration application. In any event, every voter can pack, can cast a provisional ballot that will be counted once the registration information is verified. So governor Kemp is saying that there are things in in check. However, uh, the next paragraph goes on to say, as the Secretary of State told radio host Eric Erickson, there are 75,000 pending voters among a record total of 7 million registered voters in the state. Now, the, these these next few lines are, are pretty staggeringly disturbing of these. 9,224 are minors under the age of 18, 
2,935 used a fake address, 3,393 are not even citizens, and 5,842 were already registered. Of the remaining applications, 75% submitted erroneous social security information. Almost a quarter of those sloppy forms came from a registration effort by the New Georgia Project, a group founded in 2014 by Stacey Abrams, the Democratic nominee for governor. And those of you that don't remember Stacey Abrams, um, very radically uh, left uh, individual, um, would not concede to uh, Brian Kemp for a while, uh, asserted all sorts of voter disenfranchisement. But as you can read by these cold, hard facts and numbers, she is at the epicenter of of some of this nonsense. So um, am I going to state categorically that voter fraud and shenanigans such as this are exclusively uh, on the Democrat side? No, I'm not. I have seen firsthand um, Republicans in Republican districts. Uh, I, I had a roommate that was a Democrat. And when he went to register or excuse me, vote, even though he was registered, they gave him all sorts of grief and nonsense and roughed him up, uh, not literally. And um, he came home dispirited and said they wouldn't even let him vote. So, I mean, and, and he had all his um, T's crossed and I's dotted. So it, it happens on both sides. But let me be very clear when I say this, just because voter intimidation, voter fraud um, in, in all varieties happens on both sides, it, it, it strains um, logic to think that the, prepond- the the overwhelming preponderance of evidence that it happens on, on the Democrat side is not accurate. Because if you go over complaint after complaint after complaint, and for every complaint, there are 10 other um, instances of clear voter fraud, disenfranchisement, um, just all sorts of craziness. The home of that is clearly on the left. Does it happen on the Republican side? Of course it does, but it does not happen with any degree of frequency like it does on the Democrat side. Um, let me conclude here to just give you a full flavor of uh, what this article is is aiming to uh, to prove. It says, in states around the United States, major problems with our voter registration systems have been tolerated for years. A 2012 report, now that's eight years ago, by the Pew Center on the States found, and this is eight years ago, these numbers have to be astronomically higher now, found that more than 1.8 million dead people were registered to vote and 2.75 million people were registered in more than one state. That's very problematic. The Pew report found that 24 million registrations were either invalid or inaccurate, making the registration systems vulnerable to fraud. Despite this abysmal record, the Justice Department under President Obama decided it wouldn't take any action to enforce a federal law that requires states to maintain accurate voter rolls by regularly removing ineligible voters. Now, We waste so much taxpayer money on so many 
frivolous things, it would be hard to um, discuss them in a lifetime. It really would. But I'm telling you, if if um, if states who also waste a lot of money, taxpayer money as well, you, you're telling me that you can't provide a healthy salary to a handful of individuals, doesn't even have to be a lot, that would, um, with a, a bipartisan panel, if you will, that would regularly comb over voting records, uh, removing ineligible voters, uh, looking for fraud, ferreting out fraud. Are, are you telling me that with all the waste um, of our uh, Commonwealth of Pennsylvania tax dollars, we can't come up uh, with a bipartisan panel of 10 people, pay them whatever, pay them handsomely um, to to purge records, to go over records with a fine-tooth comb, to um, funnel complaints to the Department of Justice. Now, when they go to the Department of Justice, um, will the uh, DOJ do anything about it in the case uh, in Philadelphia a few years ago when the Black Panther Party was intimidating voters um, physically Eric Holder said no big deal no problem um, so yeah if it goes to a corrupt department for review then you know all bets are off but at least at the regional level or at the state level could we come up with, uh, I'm, I'm sure we can because it, it has been tried before and how enforceable that is and, and how much, um, uh, insistence by an administration or at the federal level that states get it together and purge dead people from your roles or people that are not even, um, uh, residents of your state anymore. That, that can't be that hard to do. But people do not have the political will to do that, so it doesn't get done. Um, the last thing we'll say here about um, voter fraud, and it kind of goes back to what uh, we have been discussing on this show for several weeks, this, this new emerging um, phenomenon of fact-checking. Um, by the entities that disseminate information to you and I, um, it, it, I, I don't know how dumb, that's a rhetorical question. I do know how dumb they think we are, but um, you have to think that the people that are digesting information are absolutely um, stone cold, um, incapable of logic. If you think um I don't care who you are. USA Today happens to be what I'm about to read. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, uh, take your pick. Um, if if an entity is getting heat for being partisan, uh, blatantly unfair to one side or over another, uh, crafting news slash information slash propaganda to affect elections and forget and excuse me to um to affect group think out there you have to be pretty audacious to think that people are that stupid that if you um 
a sign, as Dan Bongino said the other night, some 24-year-old humanities major um, <laughs> to be the fact, the leader of the fact-checker department. And if you put a blue check on something or say it's been fact-checked, that you and I are dumb enough to say, oh, well, I guess it's okay now. It's been fact-checked by somebody. Um, who's doing the fact-checking? That is um, that is basically... Um, what's at issue here and who that is in all instances, not most is somebody that is employed by a uh, entity that is disseminating news um, in a fraudulent way. So that fact checker who's probably being paid well has a vested interest in continuing the, um, the propaganda. Um, the sources that said fact checker may be citing are dubious at best. And the sources are in total lockstep with the propagandists. So um, be very wary, uh, as if I even have to say this, but um, you go to a news source and something does not smell right, um, and all of a sudden there's a blue fact check check next to it, or it's been deemed fact checked, um, I really wouldn't put um, a lot of... Uh, credence in that. So this USA Today article says, fact check. Okay, we're supposed to stop right now. It says fact check. Mailing ballots to dead people, not leading to voter fraud, experts and studies say. So um, I am not even going to uh, dignify this article with any reading. And that's not because I'm a propagandist. I'm, I'm not... Um, in any way, shape, or form, um, supposed to be an objective news disseminator. I have an opinion, and that's stated uh, every day that I'm on the public airwaves. Um, so I, I have the right not to um, read you anything in this article, because if I did, your blood pressure would be about 500 over 300. I, I don't think we have to be that bright, or I don't think we have to be that politically astute to know that mailing ballots to dead people and then having people pick up those ballots, fill them out and send them in and, um, and saying that no biggie, those ballots aren't going to be counted or somebody's going to figure out that grandma has been dead for 10 years is, um, insanely presumptive. Uh, we, we've all heard stories of, of people that, uh, continue to cash, uh, checks that are sent to dead people. Um, uh, so, so, uh, it, it is, it is not only inconceivable to, to believe this fact checker, it just, you would have to check your brain at the door. If literally millions of people that have sadly, um, passed are being mailed ballots, uh, to, to assume that every single one of them that's going to be mailed is going to be returned by some, um, do-gooder of a citizen saying, oh, I received this in error. My grandmother is dead. You're out of your mind. Um, that's one of the easiest ways to uh, commit voter fraud is to assume um, that, um, you know, the, the, the rights of that deceased person to um, issue that vote. And you, you could certainly do that um, easily. And um, there's been all sorts of undercover, um, uh, you know, citizen journalist operations out there that have um, 
that have done just this to um, to illustrate that it's absolutely easy to vote under the guise that you are the person um, that you say you are, even though that person has sadly gone on and has passed. So, um, you know, the point of this article is um, for you to check your brain at the door because it's simply been fact-checked by somebody from USA Today. So let me digress a little bit or, you know, at, at this point of the show, um, uh, and, and I am, you know, no less uh, immune or not immune to this um, phenomenon either. If we are not careful, when we flip on the radio, the news, however you get your podcasts, um, it, it doesn't really matter. When, when your eye gate and ear gate are open to what is going on before you, um, and let's just talk to people that maybe are conservative or to a lesser extent Republican right now. Um, if you do not know the Lord, um, you could be pretty anxious right now and, and pretty fretful. Um, even if you do know the Lord, uh, you could be those things as well. Because if you add up all of the um, things that seem to be happening in our culture on an hourly basis, not even a daily basis, um, in the area of voter fraud, in the area of the um, entertainment industry being elevated to um, these great paragons of political knowledge, swaying people one way or another, the liberal media, uh, which is a hackneyed term, but it does need to be repeated, um, really doing gymnastics to go out of their way to hide the fact that Joe Biden is seriously compromised. Um, I'm, I, any of you that have heard me for any degree of time, I don't throw around the words um, uh, Alzheimer's or uh, uh, dementia with any degree of lightness. So I don't use those words, but um, the man will be 78 in about a month and a half and he has um, showed signs of significant slowing. We'll just be kind to him. And to cover that up and to remove the speck from Donald Trump's eye, if you will, when in a 36-hour period, uh, Trump is uh, doing rallies in various states, um, brokering peace in the Middle East. Yeah, that that's a big one that not did not get reported too well. Um, he's traversing the country. He's, he's going to these small areas where uh, Democrats who are optimistic um, that this is a flawed strategy um, to, as I said earlier in the show, um, to uh, offset the massive um, urban and suburban Democrat strongholds. But, he he's also going to these suburban strongholds and he's actually going to urban uh, areas as well. Um, when you see Donald Trump doing all this and then you see uh, Joe Biden just simply doddering along um, and, and, and uh, you know, I, I don't need to assail Joe Biden. Plenty of people are doing it. And, and Joe Biden, when he is on display, is really doing it um, to himself, which is um, if we're Christians and we're not just bloodthirsty politicos, 
it is really sad to see uh, this happen. And I, I heard Lou Dobbs yesterday bring up something that I never even thought of, but it is conceivable to think of this. He goes, think of the people, the operatives around Joe Biden. Um, and in Mr. Dobbs estimation, I don't think I'm going to go that far, but it is thought provoking. He calls it elder abuse. And at first blush, you know, anybody that is, uh, seen elder abuse or been the victim of elder abuse or, uh, thinks it's reprehensible as you should may say, come on, that, that does, that really just does not, um, that's, that's very, very out of place to say that. But if you think about it, this guy's got to be the leader of the free world. He has to be traversing the globe, um, going toe to toe with evil dictators that hate our country and hate our way of life. And he can't really navigate his way through a, a very well orchestrated press conference with handpicked individuals. Um, and it, it, to exploit his half of a century of desire to be in this position um, by rabid handlers and uh, back to my original point, uh, complicit people in the media um, it is really it is an abusive situation. If you think about it, it really is very, very sad. But back to my point, if you look at the voter fraud that is is inevitable um, in the coming weeks and Election Day and, and sadly, probably after Election Day. And the fact that one party, much more than the other party, pits Christian versus non-Christian, hardcore Christian versus casual Christian, young versus old, black versus white, um, all minorities versus white, rich versus poor, elites versus the great unwashed, white collar workers uh, as opposed to blue collar workers, politically astute versus people who could care less, hardworking people versus lazy people, Democrats versus Republicans. I can go on and on and on. Keeping people anxious, fearful, and angry is a really good way to fool them, manipulate them, and get your desired result. And one party, um, clearly, I am not a Republican, uh, but one party clearly does this uh, effectively and very often, and it is the Democrat Party. And back to my um, talking to born-again believers, evangelicals, faith-based voters, if you will. If you look at all of these things um, that I've spoken of and several more out there, we got the voter fraud, we got the the class envy and all the, the wars between the classes. We have uh, rioting in the streets and you can't even talk to somebody anymore. It's, it's really sad. You could be very fearful um, that you know, right is not going to triumph over wrong, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And, and what I would urge you to do today, uh, which I urge you to do every time I'm on the air is quiet yourself, ground yourself, go to the scriptures because the people that have been on record of, of saying, yes, voter fraud, uh, happens. This is how it happens. It's always going to happen. Um, people brag, I could fix any election anytime, anywhere, they say. 
when you see evil individuals like that, um, you should not be fretful because Galatians 6, 7 tells us, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. So one way to um, not be as fretful as anxious, they're stealing the election. What are we going to do? Et cetera, et cetera. Um, think of our mighty Lord up in heaven watching all this. Um, if a sparrow doesn't fall from a tree and escape God's attention, do you think that um, someone's attempt in a major city to steal an election or steer votes to one party over another is being overlooked by our Lord. It is not. Um, Romans 14, 11 through 12 says, it is written as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will acknowledge God. So then, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Now, that should give you some comfort. Um, it doesn't really matter if in these smoke-filled back rooms, all sorts of chicanery is being plotted between now and the election and after the election. And to obsess about it, um, to be aware of it is one thing. To absolutely obsess about it, to listen to radio all day, and watch television all night and just get up and do it again and get totally your insides in a knot when God tells us that every knee is going to bow. God tells us that you cannot mock him. God tells us there is a line in the sand that certain individuals cross that uh, the Lord's patience has been tested and um, in, it's over at that point in time when the Lord says, I've had enough. I fear for the person that has been putting a greasy thumbnail in God's eye over and over and over again. And that is what perpetrating fraud or misleading or lying to individuals to steer an outcome. That is what you're doing, whether you realize it or not. And, and the sad thing is, um, I would venture to say most of the people doing that don't even realize who they are dealing with. It's not like they're just slapping around Republicans. They're slapping around God. And I'm not saying God is, is uh, the Republican Party is God's party. I'm not saying that. Uh, wrong is wrong. And whenever you get really worked up about this, and there's, there's absolutely no way that this election can be fair and honest, understand who's in control. Uh, we will conclude with our scripture reading here, uh, Matthew 14, 26 through 31. Always a favorite of mine in times of trouble. Uh, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. Here's the money line, ladies and gentlemen. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. 
you of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? So, um, that is always a comforting verse. And, and, um, it is often been said by preachers when Peter kept his eyes on Jesus, he was cool. He could achieve supernatural things. When he looked down at the water and this, um, this, uh, verse says the wind, uh, made him afraid and he took his eyes off Jesus and he started to sink. I think that's very appropriate for the times that we're going through. If you flip on the television and you see uh, burning in the streets, you see people that are perpetrating fraud, killing people actually, that aren't being brought to justice, even though we have their names, we have their images, um, we have uh, leaders of certain cities that are seeing wrong and doing wrong and just not protecting their citizens. I, I think it's 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 absolutely fascinating if you look at the uh, Minneapolis City Council who uh, a few months ago um, just summarily said, no more cops, we are defunding the police. Imagine a world without police. Um, Alison Camerato, who uh, used to be on Fox and now is on CNN, um, to her credit, ask one of the council members, like, um, you know, uh, imagining a world without police may be fine for you, but what if something happens to you at your home and you call the police? Are you going to expect them to come? And then the city council member went through down this tortured logic of white privilege, um, which was just amazing. And that's, that's her belief and she's entitled to it. But I, I do find it interesting that when the obvious happens, when you defund the police, when you spit in the eye of the police, when you, um, assassinate the police or, or rough the police up or surround them and want to burn their barracks and the police say, okay, enough. Um, everybody's told us to go home. Um, you know, good luck with that. And that's not what the police say, but in effect, that is what happens. So recently, the Minneapolis uh, City Council is absolutely dumbfounded that crime is through the roof. People are calling the police. The police cannot respond because they have been defunded. Essentially, they have been neutered. Um, people are on their own. And the uh, Minneapolis City Council is absolutely dumbfounded. Like, how did this happen? What do you mean you can't respond to calls with, with you know, one-fifth the uh, police force and one-tenth of the resources? What, what do you mean you can't get everywhere and stop all this crime? Um, the, the only thing that is almost as disturbing as the craziness that's going on in Minneapolis, and I have been to Minneapolis countless times, have numerous friends in the area. It, it is a wonderful excuse me, it was a wonderful city. The only thing more disturbing that these people don't get this, uh, or, or that, that the lawlessness is, is running, uh, Minneapolis and, and good people and businesses are, are fleeing from Minneapolis is what I just said. The fact that these city council members cannot for the life of them understand what their edicts have uh, led to. I mean, you, you, you have to be a kindergartner to miss that. It, it, it is, and, and it is just absolutely breathtaking that they're all wringing their hands now and wondering, you know, how is this happening? What's going on? And, 
if you disrespect the police who are our law enforcement um, and our God is a God of law and order, he certainly is, um, that is irrefutable then you're going to have chaos and mayhem. But, but even said, even having said all that, when you see all this mayhem and chaos and want to get discouraged and say, what's going to happen? My, my vote is just all I can do here. Come on. And my vote's going to get canceled out by four dead people's votes. And you may be right, but um, the things that we cannot understand, the things that are happening behind the scenes on a spiritual level, we have to have faith and we have to have trust and we have to do what Jesus said, not have little faith. We have and not doubt. We have to have big faith and, and just trust that God cannot be mocked. Every knee will bow. And um, if we keep our eyes on our Lord, then the attempts by many people to bring this country down, uh, poison the integrity of the voting um, system, um, lie, cheat, steal, all of the things that these little humans are running around doing are um, God in his infinite power can blink his eye and cure all of these things. And, and uh, we have to have faith and trust that this country was founded on Judeo-Christian principles, which it is documented that it is, and that we still, even though we are quite wayward from what we used to be, we still are a, a nation that is uh, made up of a plurality of people that profess um, Jesus Christ as Lord. Um, whether they're bona fide saved or whether they're just kind of making a, uh, uh, just a generic declarative that yes, I am a Christian for the purposes of this cultural war. Um, this is the declaration that has been made and we have to have faith and trust and hope that God's blessings that he has uh, bestowed upon this great nation will continue. And, um, the fear of myself and many is simply that, you know, um, our time is up. Uh, you know, uh, you, you hear a lot of people that are talking about, um, you know, the end times and, uh, this is just a part of the times and, and their, their obsession with the end times and, uh, uh, all of this stuff, which we, we should be quite aware of what revelation tells us. And we should be quite aware of the sign of the times, but it, it, it's kind of uh, interesting to me. You, you you run the gamut of people out there, people that are not even Christians, not even into the political scene. They're seeing all this chaos. They don't even know what to make of it. Then you have other people that are quite politically astute. They are um, born again Christians, but they're not really living in the now they're they have one eye on jesus is coming next friday it doesn't really matter and and we can't have that attitude we have to we have to function in the world that we're in now and um we have to be what whatever god has called us to be in order to educate people influence people and when we ourselves who know what's going on tend to be scared, fretful, nervous, 
we have to go back to the verses that I just quoted and we have to, you know, as they say on the airplane, you know, put the oxygen on yourself in order to, and before you, <clears throat> excuse me, start helping other people. So this is what we have to do. So, um, in the remaining minutes of the show here, what we will do is, um, kind of look at the campaign, some of the things that are going on. As I alluded to earlier, um, you talked to Democrats about this um, strategy that uh, Mr. Trump has employed, which is to hold a lot of rallies, <coughs> excuse me, in um, in somewhat rural areas. And, um, you know, I, I, I've read a couple Democrat strategists say, um, it's, it's absolute desperation. He's, he's lost the cities. He's particularly lost the suburbs and, um, to chase down, you know, 1500 votes here and 2000 there, um, and 5,000 there is, is certainly like, um, you know, killing, uh, uh, locust with a tennis racket, if you will. And at first blush, it, it might seem that way. However, if we learned anything from the 2016 election, there are a lot of people in rural America that really um, felt rather disenfranchised, felt that their vote never really counted anyway, so they didn't vote. And um, Donald Trump woke them up in 2016 and, and he and his party and his handlers seem to think that there's more gold in them than our hills. So, um, he, you know, at first blush, somebody could say, well, you don't really need to shore up your base. And I think I've said that myself, but this tactic that he has of, of crisscrossing the country and going to rallies and fundraisers and all of these things, um, and uh, these these uh, interesting uh, uh, rallies that he has, where Air Force One is in the background, is, is um, to some seems to be frivolous. But here's here's the rub. And this uh, this article says Biden's laid back schedule uh, stands in contrast to Trump um, seven weeks left into the campaign, and. Um, you know, the article goes on to uh, to just as I did earlier, chronicle it has a snapshot of Biden's schedule and Trump's schedule. And it's it's pretty amazing that, um, you know, uh, the article says that that some of uh, some days Biden puts a lid on um, his uh, news conferences at 1018 in the morning, 904 in the morning. And and Trump is is pretty much on to his second or third you know, whistle stop, uh, uh, campaign function, if you will, uh, traversing the country, the man, love him or hate him is simply infatigable. And, um, I watched his, uh, his, uh, rally in uh, Wisconsin last night and he just goes on and on and on and on now if you hate them you're you're bored by that or you turn it off or it makes you hate him even more but um we're not talking about loving him or hating him we're we're talking about the fact that and i i've heard many pundits say this and it is accurate um regardless of political uh, affiliation the american people want an energetic enthusiastic uh presidential candidate and 
Joe Biden is none of those things. And Donald Trump is, is the absolute opposite of that. And, uh, Joe Biden and hopefully for the Trump people, those three debates will be a fixed one and one half hours where that stark difference in personality in energy in mental acuity will, will be so glaring that it will offset the obvious uh, flacking and protecting that many, many people are doing for Joe Biden currently. So their contention is, and their hope in the Trump camp and, and some of these pundits that I've heard is that um, the energy level of Donald Trump will be enough to um, drag him across the finish line, if you will. Uh, an interesting concept. Um, maybe it's accurate. Maybe it isn't. I was talking to somebody the other day and, um, it's funny. We watch these things differently than, um, perhaps people that are casual observers. Believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen, there, there are people that are as much as it would be hard to believe are not really paying attention to this election as much as they could be or should be. Those are the types that decide within the last 30 days to kind of pay attention um, with the pandemic in place that may um, even affect that further. But um, there's a lot of people that all this sleepy Joe stuff and all these gaffes and, and everything, they're not even paying attention to that. And my point here is it's kind of like when I watch television, like uh, general television, not cable news type stuff. When I watch a sitcom, um, I have probably not watched that sitcom or that particular uh, channel for years, believe it or not. And when I watch it, I fall off the couch because I have not been programmed like um, many people have to be systematically and slowly desensitized over the years with the language and the nudity and all of this stuff. So when I watch something, I haven't watched something in two years. And then maybe before that it's two years, I am much more freaked out, taken aback and say, Whoa, than maybe somebody else that watches uh, television or sitcoms uh, or primetime TV regularly. Okay. You tracking with me? Similarly, there are people that um, are too busy working or trying to find a job or trying to make ends meet in this COVID world that have not been a part of this whole Sleepy Joe thing that that uh, Trump is is promoting. And I'm telling you, when those people see these debates and they will pay attention to them, they may be blown away to the point of of shocked beyond comprehension of the, um, of the disparity in the two candidates. So, um, if you're a Trump, uh, fan, uh, keep in mind that there's a whole lot of people that are going to be watching these debates that aren't paying attention, like perhaps the rest of us are. And when they see, um, Joe Biden literally for the first or second time in this whole cycle, um, and compare and contrast him to Donald Trump, that may be very telling and that may bode very, very well for Donald Trump. So this has been another edition of Reshaping America. Until next week, have a great day.